Hey, what's going on, y'all? I'm Nanurl, and you're listening to Unpacked Angles with me. These episodes were recorded for the Unpacked Angles YouTube channel. So if you'd like to watch the accompanying video, you can find the link in the description. If not, feel free to sit back, listen, and enjoy. Thanks for tuning in. And before I get into what I have today, just want to remind y'all to go ahead and submit your questions for the future Q&A episode that is going to be coming up. If you have any questions that you would like to have answered on the channel, or maybe even some suggestions on topics that you would like to see covered here on Unpacked Angles, then feel free to submit those. You can do that by going to the link, which is in the description. But today we are getting back into a specific UX topic that we kind of touched on a little bit earlier, but didn't really go too far into detail and that is heuristics. I wanted to touch on heuristics this episode and go into what they are, what they're used for, and how they relate to what we do in UX. As an adjective, heuristics describe something that helps people to discover or learn things on their own. It's defined by psychology today as a mental shortcut of sorts that help people to make decisions or form conclusions quickly. You can think of them as rules of thumb. And so I kind of touched on this in one of the earlier episodes. I'm probably going to link it here because I don't remember <laughs> which one it was. It's probably biases and fallacies, I'm sure. It's mixed in there somewhere. It might be in the terms episode as well, but this is kind of all jumbled into how people think and what helps people to think. And this is not something that is just specific to humans. Animals also rely on heuristics to make decisions quickly. Although they are not as complex as what we're doing in our mind, but it's kind of all the same thing. Heuristics help for us to free our mind of things that have a whole lot of cognitive load. So anything that causes you to think too much, we as human beings want to avoid that. So heuristics help us to do that. They help us to make decisions quickly, right? So you're freeing up time and space to make room for all of these other things that we are processing and constantly thinking about on a daily basis. We don't have all the time in the world most of the time. And so this is a great thing when it comes to saving time and also not having to work our brains too hard. However, heuristics can also lead us to make misjudgments and jump to conclusions that aren't necessarily correct. So this is the not so great side of heuristics. It all plays into the biases that we have today that everyone has today. And sometimes it can cause us to rely on those biases and act on them. We're relying on these heuristics or the, this way of thinking, these shortcuts that are saving us time and space in our mind yes, but aren't necessarily 100% correct all of the time. There are a whole bunch of different heuristics that have been identified and studied. As I mentioned before, they kind of have to do with biases, right? So an example of a heuristic is the availability heuristic. This heuristic describes the shortcut of people thinking of the likeliness of something happening purely based off of their ability to think of examples of that thing actually happening. So kind of going off their thoughts and not necessarily off of empirical evidence. Same thing with another heuristic called satisficing. Satisficing happens when we need to make a decision and we go with the first thing that meets the criteria of like what we need to meet. But that first thing might not necessarily be the best thing, it's just the first thing that came to mind. 
that is kind of like good enough. So that's just another example of a heuristic. Not always the best, but it's quick. So clearly heuristics are things that help us to form decisions and then take action, right? However, a lot of the time this action that we take may end up being detrimental depending on what it is. Many times these shortcuts in thinking will lead us down the wrong path if we follow them blindly. In UX, we do heuristic evaluations. So in user interface design, there are a few accepted standards and usability principles that many experts adhere to. These standards are standards for a reason. A lot of the time, if they're not met, this can lead to a bunch of usability issues down the road. This does not mean that heuristic evaluations can take the place 100% of usability testing. So keep that in mind. I'd say it's more of a checklist that you can kind of keep on the side to complement your usability tests. Within usability tests, there are a few issues that might not be found if you were to just do a heuristic evaluation. So I'm pretty sure it's good to do both <laughs> if you can. So heuristic evaluations can help us to get feedback early on in our process. And they're usually pretty quick to do and kind of cheap too if you know what you're doing <laughs> and what you're looking for. It's definitely important <laughs> that you have the knowledge and understanding of what to look for and make sure is there versus not there within your product when doing a heuristic evaluation. And if you don't have that knowledge, then hiring someone could possibly make it not as cheap as it would be and also probably not as quick but I think for the most part honestly it's not that difficult to understand and we're going to get into it in just a second as far as like what you're actually looking for or what we should be looking for when doing a heuristic evaluation but definitely getting more than one pair of eyes on it is something that i would recommend the most well-known interaction design heuristics were developed by jacob nielsen and he came up with these 10 kind of rules of thumb they're not necessarily rules like hard cut set in stone rules but more like guidelines to really keep in mind as you're going through and evaluating your product or like whatever product that you're looking at and these can be really helpful when you're just starting out or when you're kind of reviewing the end product or anywhere in between honestly but there are 10 main interaction design heuristics that Nielsen coined and we're going to go through those so you all can know what to look for if you're ever thinking about doing a heuristic evaluation. The first heuristic is visibility of system status. This heuristic states that the system has to always keep the users, you know, the people who are using this product informed through appropriate feedback within reasonable time. So this is all about keeping people informed about like what's happening so that they're not stuck there wondering if your product is working or confused about where they're at in just the entire process that they're going through. People need some type of feedback to understand where they're at, right? Kind of like a map and like the this is here, this is you here. Like those maps in the mall where, you know, it shows you the entire layout and everything. And then it shows you, you know, your little dot where you are and said, this is you, you are here. Giving you the lay of the land, but then also making sure that you are aware of where you're at in this whole entire environment. <laughs> so if you think of like loading circles, loading wheels, that's giving you feedback, letting you know as a person that's using whatever product that the information that you're trying to look at on you know whatever screen is loading 
So without that, you would think possibly, you know, this thing's not working or the content is not here or something is wrong. Whereas if you had a loading screen, it would make a little bit more sense to you as to why whatever you're looking for is not showing up there. Progress bars too are a really good indicator helping people to understand where they're at in this system of things, um, especially when they're going through a process. The second heuristic is match between the system and the real world. So this has to do with speaking the same language as the user and not necessarily language as in like, I'm speaking English, therefore the system should be speaking English. It's more like, I should be as a system, whatever product that you're developing, it should be communicating with people using terms that they understand. So you don't want to have too much jargon in whatever your product is. You definitely don't want to have too much technical speak because people on a normal everyday basis don't understand that. You want to use words and phrases and concepts that people who are just out there living, who are not in the tech industry and not developers, they, you wanna have them understand like what's happening and what's being communicated on your system, within your product, whatever it is that you're providing for these people to see. You wanna make sure that they understand what it is that they're looking at. The third heuristic is user control and freedom. This has to do with how people accidentally select different things within your user interface. So for example, if I am kind of scrolling maybe on someone's website and I accidentally click and something happens, we want to make sure that we're providing people with a way to quickly escape from that mistake, right? So whether that's like literally pressing escape or maybe having the close button be really prominent and just there for people to close out. If it's a pop-up, I find that being able to click out of pop-ups has been something that I've really liked as an escape mechanism, if you will. So basically we wanna help people who make mistakes to undo their mistakes quickly and easily. And so, obviously the undo control z or command z is a great way <laughs> to rewind on our our mistakes that we make as users and something that is really convenient for people to have when they're using different products the next heuristic is consistency and standards and so i think this one is pretty self-explanatory but basically you want to be consistent consistency is key so colors or like the different phrases or words that you use whenever you're using a specific color within your product you want to make sure that that color if it coincides with an action is coinciding with that same action wherever the person is in your product so you don't want to have maybe a, a really important action be all sorts of different colors when it comes to like buttons because people won't be able to uh, fully grasp that. A lot of the time people see colors before they read actual words. So we want to be consistent with our colors. And we also want to be consistent with our words and like the phrases that we're using to make sure that we're not confusing people. If we use a specific word or specific phrase for something that we're referring to in our product, we want to make sure that we're being consistent with that word or phrase throughout and not switching it up because that can cause confusion. As you can imagine for my designers out there, design systems really help us out with this heuristic if you don't know what a design system is it's basically a standard I don't want to say template but like a standardization of all of your design elements so from your buttons to your typography like the different fonts that you use all throughout the product it helps 
other designers and people who are working to, I guess, design your product to all have like that same standard. Next is error prevention. In this heuristic, we really want to focus on helping to prevent errors rather than having to present error messages. We don't want to have to rely on those in order for people to be able to successfully use our products. So what this means is taking time to get rid of different scenarios or situations that can cause errors. And for those situations that we just can't help, we need to make sure that we know what those are and that we have a plan for when they do inevitably occur. One way we can do this is to check and make sure that significant actions that our users take are ones that they actually want to take. So things like getting confirmation, displaying a confirmation message. Is this actually what you wanted to do? or not to make sure that our users are not suffering greatly because of mistakes. The next is recognition rather than recall. We have kind of talked about not wanting to increase the cognitive load just as human beings, period. So we want to make sure that people are not having to think too much or too hard. And with this comes not forcing people to remember things. <laughs> you do not want people to rely on their memory. I for sure do not want to have to ever rely on my memory when it comes to anything <laughs> really like it's not that bad but it's kind of it's kind of terrible a lot of the time or at least when i need it to not be so yeah a way we can do this is like some form of over communication making sure people understand where they are making sure people understand whatever it is that they're looking at. This can be done through things like CTAs or like the messaging that you have within your product or on like the specific page that people are on. If you give people constant reminders uh, with having like phrases or keywords just in easy to see places, that can be helpful and does not require anyone to have to remember much of anything because you have the information there already. And if there are instructions, we wanna make sure that those are easy for people to access and to see. Next is flexibility and efficiency of use. And this is all about making sure that your product is easy to use for people who are new to it, as well as for the returning users, the veterans that have been here day in and day out and already know what it is that they wanna do and how they wanna do it. So for the newer people, they may wanna take, you know, the long road, right? Trying to figure out how to use whatever it is that they're, they're using. It might take some time for them to really get acclimated to the space and therefore they might not want to go for just the really super short efficient way to to do different things whereas the veterans they're not trying to have whatever they're doing take all day so things like shortcuts are really good for these type of people so like literal keyboard shortcuts are something that fall into this category control z command z we know that's undo for the vets people might want to click it the newbies they that don't know the shortcuts just yet and that's okay too but we want to make sure our products are easy to use for both groups also on mobile there might be swiping actions that indicate different things. So for example, I know in a lot of apps that I use, I swipe 
right, like from the left of my screen to the right, to go back. Whereas there is an actual back button that people do press and do use, and sometimes even I use it, but there are other times when I wanna take the shortcut and go back by swiping, and that's another way to do that as well. The next heuristic is aesthetic and minimalist design. And this one is all about providing users with only the information that's necessary for them to see at that particular moment. This makes things easy to digest, not too crowded. Again, getting back to the cognitive load here and not wanting to overload people's minds with a whole bunch of different content that they may not be interested in or need to see right then. Having this type of minimalist design helps to avoid analysis paralysis that happens a lot of the time when there's just too many things going on at once, especially if you're trying to provide people with too many different options to choose from. And this is definitely something that we want to pay attention to if we want people to take action. So if that is our goal here, then we don't want people to be stuck because of the sheer amount of information that we're providing them. Next is helping users recognize, diagnose, and recover from errors. So there are going to be times when people will cause errors on our products, right? And that's fine, but we want to make sure that they understand what's actually happening and why the error is occurring. So when there are errors, the messages that come with these errors should be helpful. I think this heuristic for whatever reason happens to be super neglected by a lot of the products that I've used in the past. But we wanna make sure that people actually understand like what's happening and why the error occurred. So speaking in plain language, again, not using super technical jargon that only developers can understand is key here, along with providing insight into why the error happened and how to actually fix whatever is wrong so that they do not see that error message any longer. We do not at all ever want to display error codes here because they are literally not helpful to anyone. <laughs> They're not helpful for anybody but developers. Like even I don't know 100% what error 404 is. I know that's like page not found. I guess that's what the error means. There are a number of different products that I've used where it's just like error, system error, blah, blah, blah. Like a whole bunch of different words or just like a string of letters and numbers that make absolutely no sense to me, but probably makes sense to the person who created that pop-up. And really at the end of the day, it's just, it's useless. So yeah, it's really important to make sure people understand like what's going on here and how they can fix whatever is wrong so that they can get to their end goal. Otherwise, it's just very frustrating and kind of feels like a waste of time. And finally, the 10th heuristic in Nielsen's 10 usability heuristics is help and documentation. Now, ideally, we want everyone to be able to use our product without having to provide instructions or any type of help. However, that's like the ideal world, right? That's not always the case. Sometimes people are just gonna need some help with whatever it is that you're providing as a product. So if it does come down to people actually needing help, it's really important to provide documentation in a way that 
can help people. <laughs> you want to make this documentation easy to find. You also want to make sure that whatever the problem that the person is having that they need help with, that they can actually get that help. So the content within your help documentation should be easy to search through and sift through and browse through so that people can actually get the answers to their questions. And the documentation should really be focused in on the user's goals. So any of the tasks that people can take in our products, we want to make sure that those tasks, I guess, are covered within our help documentation. It would not be helpful for people if they had to go through a process A, B, and C, and we only provided help documentation for A and C, right? They're still kind of left out on B, and our documentation would not be helping anybody that needs help with B. <laughs> so that wraps up the 10 usability heuristics, but I have a parting question for you, and it is which of these heuristics have you found in just your experience to be the most neglected one? Are there any that come to mind at all? If so, I would love to know. Let me know in the comments. But yes, y'all, that wraps it up. I hope this was helpful. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Unpacked Angles. If you liked what you heard, let us know by leaving us a five-star rating and a review. If you didn't, hit us up on our website at www.unpackedangles.com or on social media at Unpacked Angles and let us know what we can do better. Until next time, deuces!